Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for your truth, your grace, your peace. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for every ear that hears this message, Lord, whether here today or anywhere, anywhere else, anywhere in the world. I thank God for all of you that do hear these messages in other places. And believe me, I'm praying for you. God loves you. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for opening our spiritual ears that we were talking about last week so that we hear and that we allow this word to take root and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, on uh, Thursday, this past Thursday, I went out and I took the He is Risen cross out of the yard and I put it back in the garage till next Resurrection Sunday or week. But I get a lot of uh, interest in that. Hey, Easter's over. You can put that thing away. I got a, a letter from the HOA one year. And I just threw it in the trash. I thought that's where it needed to be filed. <laughs> but uh, that is what's known as Ascension Day, was the 13th. And I do that because just hoping someone will ask me and I can share that with them that, you know, Jesus, of course, he's still risen. But anytime people will celebrate anything about the Lord, I'm all for it. You take a month off and sing about Jesus, that's good for me. You know, for Christmas, I don't care when he was born. Doesn't matter, he's born in my heart. But Ascension Day was Thursday and I took it up. And because for 40 days he remained here, you know. He walked and appeared amongst men. And, uh, and then he ascended on that day and... And then 10 days later, which will be coming up in the week before I see you again, is Pentecost, which is May 23rd this year. Uh, 10 days later, on the 50th day, uh, that's when the gift came. The promised Holy Spirit in that upper room that day. Amen? Amen. So, anyway, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We've been scraping the surface of some things. And... uh, The church in this time, uh, I really believe that we have entered into what some refer to as the third great awakening. Um, It's uh, in the beginning stages and wonderful things are happening around the body of Christ. You you can't tune in to television and see that sort of thing. So we had ours cut off, but (laughs) we we just use apps now and... uh, But nevertheless, don't believe everything you hear. Believe uh, some things that you don't hear, which is all the good news. See, you're listening to the Ten Spies Network for the most part, which is the world. They they sent 12, right? 12 spies to buy out the promised land. Ten came back with a negative report, except for Joshua and Caleb. Because of that, those ten that had the negative report and everybody 
that believed them and wanted to stone the ones with the good report, they died in that wilderness. That's why they've stayed out there for 40 more years. Well, that generation was gone. So we want to be the JC network. The old covenant, we call it Joshua and Caleb, but now we just say Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's lots of good news. There's always good things happening. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk. Uh, John 16, 7. I tell you, I'm going to be in, in Genesis chapter 24 today. I've been threatening this for a long time. Or promising, I don't know. And uh, we're going to get there. I feel sorry for those who aren't here. I'm going to have to run through it kind of quickly, so it's just going to be like a lot of bullet points, but it's okay. I just want it to go in these eye and ear gates, because I believe, especially last week, because I know you've been meditating on asking the Lord to open your spiritual eyes and ears. Amen. Amen. You sit up in anyway. If I took a... If I took that uh, questionnaire at the door today, would you remember what last week was about? <laughs> I always tell people, quit asking your kids what they learned in school today until you can tell them what you learned in church on Sunday. <laughs> John sixteen seven, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. This is on the night of his betrayal. He had a lot to say that night, but it was all from his heart. It was all very passionate and great stuff, right? He said, it's your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, capital H, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Revelation 19, 7 it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So the Holy Spirit inspires and teaches Christ's bride. Amen. Amen. The church. Preparing her, preparing us for our union with Christ. We're... We're engaged. Amen. <laughs> there will be a wedding feast. There will be a celebration. We will be united with Christ. Amen. Amen. John, in that same chapter, the well, no, two chapters back, one of my favorite <coughs> passages of scriptures through John 14, but verses 15 through 18, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Again, talking about the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So like I told you last week, we have two divine advocates as Christians, don't we? The Holy Spirit and Jesus. Amen. 1 John 2, 1 talks about Jesus being our advocate, making intercession for us. Only one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
So don't pray to the Virgin Mary. She can't hear you. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. Not somebody with their collar turned around backwards. Who's been forbidden to marry, which is a doctrine of the devil, the Bible says. Just saying. If I'm wrong, if it's not in this word, just like I say it, you correct me and I'll, I'll receive the correction. And people wonder why so many bad things take place in these settings and situations where they have implemented the traditions and doctrines of men instead of the word of God. I didn't mean to say any of this. <laughs> but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. This is John fourteen twenty five through 27. He'll teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. I'm laying out the ministry of the Holy Spirit for you. Peace I leave with you. I'm just throwing this one in for extra measure because it's my favorite scripture. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. This was a gift. He talked about so many things on that night. The Holy Spirit, the Father, the Kingdom of God. And then it's like, I want to I give you something personal. Something of my own. I want to give you as a gift. And he says right here in John 14, 27. Peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. That same peace that let him sleep in the back of the boat. Let him walk right amongst the crowd and walk away that was trying to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. I'm not going to take it back. Do I give unto you? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, there's a promise that I wish people would reach out and take hold of more often. Jesus has given me his peace. I'm not walking in peace right now. I don't have peace. Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you. You have given me your gift as a peace. You said your peace as a gift. You said you wouldn't take it back. So, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. He restores my soul. Oh, Jesus, restore my soul. Do you ever talk to him like that? I hope you do. And again, in John 16, I wrote these down so I don't turn to them because you know what I do. I just keep going wherever I turn. John 16, verses 12 through 15. I have much more to say to you, Jesus says. This is what I feel like at the end of every Sunday. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Not that part. I... But when he... The spirit of truth. And that's why they couldn't bear it right then. Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. Amen. Amen. He will guide you. When he comes, the spirit of truth, he comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus said. That, that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus left His teaching to His disciples unfinished. He did a lot in three and a half years. John said, 
I can fill the books of the world with everything. He did a lot. But he left his teaching unfinished. But he promised the Holy Spirit was going to come to teach them, to be their teacher, to be their reminder of everything that he had already taught them, to be revelator, to give them revelation, knowledge, and understanding, and administrator of everything that he had. He said, the Father's given me everything, and now he's going to take from what is mine and give to you. So he's the administrator of everything the Lord has. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter 24 now. Oh, I love it. Genesis chapter 24 is, is the chapter where Abraham gets a wife for Isaac, his son. As far as God was concerned, it's his only son. Amen. Okay. If you have your spiritual hearing turned on, folks, this is going to help you. It'll help you to see a lot of things. First, everything in the Old Testament, in some way, is type and shadow of things which have been or will be revealed by the new covenant and the coming of our Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. And I want you to see this today. Some of you may know it. Others of you, your eyes are going to open and you're going to say, wow. And I hope you do, because that's my prayer, is that you are blessed by this and that it helps you to have a greater uh, relationship with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Abraham, I'm going to turn over there. It might be easier. Listen, I want to show you what an impact this has made in my life. This is the Bible that was only held together by this store-bought cover that was put on after the fact. Here's Genesis chapter 24. Okay. And then here, here is in 2009 when the Lord was when sharing these things and I had been praying and seeking God about all these truths. I found this yesterday. And uh, the day after I wrote this, I had a note here on June the 4th, 2009, at 11 a.m., an apostle from uh, Atlanta called me, and he said the Lord had been speaking to him about me, and that I was as Gideon and Jeremiah, and being loosed into the body, and that I had no idea of the giftings in me and that God was going to loose me into the body and I would be a high threat to the devil and God was going to use me and, uh, and uh, he invited me to speak at his world conference in July and all that. That was in 2009. And it was, uh, it was just one of those times uh, that was a great time in the Lord and uh, it has been ever since. Amen. I want to get into this so I can get through it, okay? And I'm going to try not to read. I'm just going to... I'm going to probably have to read a little bit from the chapter, but not all of it. And you may have to go back and listen to this if you want to get it all because it's going to go quick, okay? Abraham 
as you recall, was settled in, in Canaan, in Canaan, the promised land. But where, where the Lord had told him to go. But he wanted a wife from Mesopotamia, his homeland, for Isaac, the child of promise. Right? So he called his senior servant of his house and he sent him back to his homeland to find a bride for Isaac. So, with ten camels loaded with gifts and all kinds of wonderful treasures and good things, he took off. And on the way, the servant prayed that God would would uh, direct him to the bride that he was in search of. Amen? And when he arrived in Mesopotamia, he had had a long desert journey, of course, he prayed at the well outside of town where the women came to get water at a certain time of the day. But he prayed that when the right woman came along, that he would ask her for a drink. And she would respond by giving him a drink and his camel's water. Now, the hospitality of the day called for her to offer uh, a sojourner, a weary traveler, a drink, but not his animals, you see? So then he would know, if she did this, that it was the one chosen to be Isaac's bride. So far, so good, right? So he did that, and he's sitting there at the well, and then Rebecca came along with her flock, and the servant asked her for a drink, she gave it to him, and then she began of her own accord to draw water for his camels to drink, um, just of her own initiative. Now, I can tell you, ten camels, after a long desert journey, can drink about 40 gallons of water each. So, you do the math. <laughs> That's 400 gallons, right? Plus the, plus the cup she gave him. Amen. <laughs> So, then the servant, he knows now, right? So, he brings out of the gifts that he had brought, and he gives some to her. And she immediately adorned herself with the gifts. I'm not wiping my nose. I'm telling you that because what he gave her was a nose ring and a couple of bracelets, okay? <laughs> So, I want you to think of. So, then she took and introduced the servant to her family. They welcomed him into their, their home and also his camels. They provided for both of them and they gave them place to stay. Then, he revealed the destiny that God had for Rebecca. She responded in faith that she would go with him and her family blessed her and sent them on their way and so she set out on that long journey back to find the man that she was due to marry keep in mind she had never met or seen Isaac or Abraham her only contact with the family which she was going to marry into had been through the servant um, so let's Let's look a little bit in, into the chapter, and uh, I'll just, just, just read a little bit. So, um, remember, she, she brings him to her, 
to, to meet her family, right? And uh, I'll start in the 29th verse. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. You remember Uncle Laban? <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelet on his sister's arm, and you can just you know who Laban is. <laughs> so, yeah, he saw these, these things. Anyway, he, he saw them um, and, and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister. Thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I prepared the house and the place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water and to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Had some men with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and has, he has become great. He's given him flocks and herds of silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, you'll not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and, pro- and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan, and if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring, and then he tells them the story of how Rebecca had responded and, and how he had prayed about it, and everything just fell right into place. And they agreed. They said, that's the Lord. There's nothing we can do about it. And so I just want to skip down <coughs> um, to the part uh, that he said, he said uh, they wanted him to stay for like 10 days. And he said, nope, let me go right now. I'm here to take care of my master's business. I've done it. Now don't delay me. I want to get back and finish what I've come to do. And uh, he said, well, let's call her and ask her. And because uh, he said, don't delay me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. In verse 57, they said, let us call the woman and ask her, the young woman. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca. And then I want to skip down to the 62nd verse. It said, now Isaac had returned and, and they made their, their journey. She followed the servant all the way across the desert. Amen. Now Isaac, in the 62nd verse, had returned from Beer Lahiroi and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man? I remember that that long, far away look Tabana and I had when I was uh, I was 16, she was 15. 
across that parking lot. <laughs> it was all over. <laughs> anyway, who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So that's the end of the story. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this to drive it home. Amen? This parable is about God finding a bride for Jesus Christ. The bride is the church, you and me. In this parable, Abraham represents God the Father. Isaac represents Jesus Christ, the only son. And Rebekah, the chosen bride, represents the church. Then we're left with one more unnamed character, the unnamed servant. You all with me? Now let's talk about him. I'm going to give you seven quick facts about this servant and his relationship to Abraham and Isaac. He had charge of all that Abraham owned, didn't he? He was in complete control of the entire inheritance. He sought nothing for himself, but only for Abraham and Isaac. It was his responsibility to find a bride for Isaac. He came with ten camels bearing gifts. He confronted Rebekah with the choice that settled her destiny. He was Rebekah's only source of information concerning Abraham and Isaac. And he guided Rebekah to her bridegroom. All right? Now, let's apply those truths about the servant to the relationship of the Holy Spirit to the church. The Holy Spirit is the administrator of the total inheritance. He's the one who takes the things of Christ and imposes them and imparts them to us. Amen? The Holy Spirit seeks nothing for himself. His aim is to glorify the Father and the Son. And the more you know him, the more you'll see how humble and amazing he is. It's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit in the world today to find the church, the bride, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he comes with many beautiful and wonderful gifts. He is the one who confronts us with the choice concerning Jesus that settles our destiny for time and eternity. He's our only source of direct information concerning God the Father and God the Son. We do not see the other persons of the Godhead, but the Holy Spirit reveals them to us. He, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is going to guide us through this world to our meeting our final destination with our heavenly bridegroom. Amen? Amen? So, this entire chapter, 24, in the book of Genesis, is a self-portrait in the Bible put there for us by the author himself, the Holy Spirit, who is God. 
But here we have him taking simply the title of servant. Isn't he awesome? Isn't he beautiful? Now, I want to look at another side of the coin. Rebecca is a picture of the church. And of the response that the church needs to make to the Holy Spirit in order to qualify to be the bride of Christ. So I've got seven points for Rebecca. Her first contact with was with the servant. Not with Abraham or with Isaac. Her response to the servant determined her destiny. Her response was that she served the servant. Even watered the camels, right? That was hard work. She received the gifts the servant brought. The gifts, when she placed them upon her, visibly marked her out as the chosen bride. She made room in her home for the servant and his camels, and she followed the servant in faith to her destination. Now, let's look how that applies to us, how we are required to respond to the Holy Spirit. Our first contact with God is always through the Holy Spirit. He's the one that first reaches into our lives and begins to reveal to us the Father and the Son. It's our response to the Holy Spirit that will determine our destiny for time and eternity. If we say yes, then our life is in accordance with the will of God. If our response is no, then we will have missed all that God has in store for us. Our purpose. I was just telling a man this morning, your potential is powerful when it's connected to purpose. Otherwise, it can be useless or even detrimental. Our response will be one of servitude if we respond properly to the Holy Spirit. She pulled out like 400 gallons of water. James said, I'll show you my faith by my works, didn't he? A lot of people these days are taking the scriptures and making them say whatever they want. I'm just taking points from this Bible and asking you, am I telling you the truth? Do you see it? Are your spiritual eyes and ears open? Do you see the, that this is a, a self-portrait of the Holy Spirit? You see it already? You should. I hope you do. If not, then, like we said last week, maybe your hearing and, and vision has become dull, like Jesus described. And there's an easy way out of that. Just talk to the Lord about it. Ask Him to fix it. Get in the Word. Ask the Holy Spirit to be your friend. Ask Him to tell Him you want to be His friend. Ask Him to help you, to, to re- give you revelation, knowledge, and understanding, and wisdom of the Word. Amen. That's what He's here for. She received the gifts that the servant brought. Now, this is something that where a large portion of the body of Christ gets off the boat right here. But I'm just telling you from the Word. She received the gifts that the servant brought. Here's an example. Never... Will a young woman refuse the ring of the young man who is saved up for it, but then accept the man? Will she? 
I mean, accepting or rejecting the ring is a reflection of her attitude towards the man, in, in a way. So it is with us. We can't reject the gifts of the Holy Spirit and say we want to be part of the bride of Christ. Oh, by the way, those of you who have uh, read my book or heard me talk about the number five, which is the number for grace, and I love so much, that nose ring that he gave her, it weighed a bika. That may not mean much to you, but I'll tell you, it was interesting to me, so I studied it out, and that's 5.5 grams. The two bracelets, the Bible said, weighed 10 shekels. I didn't know what that was either. So I looked it up, and it's 110 grams. Oh, 55 grams apiece. Come on, y'all. The gifts marked out Rebecca as the chosen bride. And it's when these gifts come into operation in the church that the church is visibly set apart as the bride of Christ. I don't want to be in a dead church, folks. So many people are seeking God. They really want God. Young people are coming to God in these tents in California like never before because they and they never planned on going to church they weren't looking for God they just got found by him and they experienced the real thing and they loving it we all come from all sorts of different backgrounds denominational settings and everything for heaven's sake my grandfather was a Methodist pastor okay he would be rolling over in his grave right now, but he still was a Methodist pastor. And I love that. I still love to go. And I mean, I, I'm gonna, I don't care if a, if a donkey gets up there and preaches. If he's talking from the Word, I'm going to get something from it. But that's because I have the Holy Ghost, folks. Anyway, sometimes we just need to, there's a Greek word called kenos. It means to empty out. Of all of that junk, the old traditions and doctrines of men and the divisions of man, and just be open to the Holy Spirit and to the Word and to really just accept it for whatever it is. And when we come to something that we've disagreed with or we're taught differently, say, Hell, well, this trumps everything that I've heard before, and it's going to take me a while, Lord. That was pretty deeply ingrained, but please help me with this. I want to agree with you. He will never fault you for that. And He will help you. And He will meet you every step of the way. You you take a step toward Him, He'll run three towards you. You remember the father was waiting for that prodigal son. He was watching. It said it saw him a long, a long way off. He saw him. And he ran to that son who smelled like a pig. And remember the big story that the son had conjured up. I'm not worthy to be your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. He didn't even let him tell that story. Did he? He just loved him. Through a big party. Rebecca made room for the servant and his camels. Taking the Holy Spirit into our lives means a lot of changes. It means... That we're going to have to make room. 
We're going to have to get rid of some things in order to make room for what God wants in our lives. Amen? It means putting the will of God before our own convenience. And she followed that servant to her appointed destination. The only way we're going to overcome this world and make it to our encounter with our heavenly bridegroom is through following or being led by the Holy Spirit through this life. Rebecca's relationship to the servant was essential to her destiny with God. And it's the same for us as believers in Jesus Christ today. It's our relationship to the Holy Spirit that's going to control our destiny. He's the helper. He's the advocate, the paraclete, the one sent to come alongside us and take a hold together with all of the problems of this life. He's, help, he's, came, he's sent to help us to claim our inheritance in Christ. To understand how that inheritance comes to us, I guess I could just show you quickly, just to scrape the surface of something that we've seen before in First Peter. Just look in First Peter and uh, chapter one. Wait a second. No, but Second Peter. I'm sorry. Second Peter, chapter one. And look at this. May grace, chapter verse two. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. So um, raise your hand if uh, if you've already got too much grace and or peace and you don't want any more. <laughs> So grace and peace can apparently be multiplied in our lives. Now, this is where our spiritual ears should really perk up. And it says, through the knowledge of God, the Father, and of Jesus our Lord. And who's going to teach us? Come on. There's one party in the Trinity. This humble one. This one that calls himself a servant. Amen. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life, that's this life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted, past tense, to us all His precious and very great promises, so that through them, through what? What has He granted to us? His great and precious Promises, so that through what? The promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. So he's doing these building blocks. I'm just going to tell you the end of the story because I've already preached the message. I don't want to get into something else that's, that, that has a lot to, to, to chew on because 
I want you to chew on what I just shared with you. But the inheritance, the gifts, the the tangible things he gave her. That wasn't what it was all about. God wants us to have things. He's not stingy. And he ain't broke. But that's just a... That's just one of the benefits of the relationship. The meaning of eternal life, Jesus defined in John 17.3 on that same fateful night. This is eternal life. That they know you, the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This life is not just... Just hold on. It's all going to be wonderful when we get up there, but now we just, we'll just hold on. <laughs> no. It started the moment you received. Her, her amazing adventure started the moment she said, I will. You know, the jewelry and the Everything else he had on those camels. And I wonder who those other, other men that this servant had with him were. I'm talking about the type and shadow part. If we're, if, we're, if we're saying the servant is the Holy Spirit, who are the men that he had with him? A troop of archangels. think she felt safe can you imagine her saying oh, you go ahead me and my girls we'll, we'll, we'll make our way we'll be there in a week or two <laughs> how foolish would that have been how foolish would it be for us The provision is in the promises, folks. But I want you to know that the end result it's not about the things, the provision. The provision has all been made. If you're struggling in poverty, that's part of the curse. You don't have to struggle with that. If you're sick, you don't have to struggle. You're going to go home one day. If the Lord tarries, you will go home. But you don't have to go sick. That's a fact. Does God love you any less? Listen, I take medication now. I had open heart surgery. I was believing for supernatural healing. It didn't happen that way. God doesn't love me any less. But it wasn't His best. That's not condemning to me. That's empowering. To know that I have authority that I haven't quite tapped in to all of it yet how to but we do have that authority over what Jesus called it all the works of the devil now if you're in a church that's teaching you that cancer and death and divorce is all things God put on you to teach you a lesson how are you ever going to figure out that or be empowered that's why the acronym for this church is HELP, HEAL, everywhere you hurt. 
empowered by the promises and provision and authority that God has given us, love to have a overwhelming revelation of the love that God has for you and to prosper in every way. Help. First, you've got to receive that help. You've got to undo a bunch of the nonsense that's been taught from these pulpits and definitely from the world at large <laughs> and believe and receive so you can go out and help others with the same help that you have received. Amen. Amen. I was talking to a couple of my wonderful friends last night, once in San Angelo and one was in Chicago, and we were talking, and the one in Chicago, uh, I don't think we had any idea, <laughs> was any even close yet to call, reaching out to the Lord. And he began to strike up a conversation with me about God. And it was awesome. And I, be, I, 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 over, I get overcome with, with the anointing and with the power from the Holy Spirit. But then a lot of little fear comes in too. Because I realize that that one soul... Is, is more valuable to God than this whole world. And he picked me. To try to help lead this person into the kingdom of God. I don't want to mess that up. The work of the ministry is not just for preachers. I'm supposed to just be preparing you for the work of the ministry. That's what the Bible says. You know, I love it when you guys wear your t-shirts, your help t-shirts, your GTC shirts. They're cool. But I wear mine to the grocery store. I wear mine to places where I hope people ask me something about it. I want to tell you the the end of that journey. The whole point is not about the provision during this life. That's just because you're God's child and He loves you. He's going to take great care of you. But finally, in the end, God Himself is our inheritance. That's the whole point. Take him up on it. The alternative is grim, I assure you. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for the blessed Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you. You are God and we thank you for this beautiful picture of yourself that you put in here for us. It was hidden there for us, not from us. And we thank you, Lord, for revealing it to us. We love you and thank you for loving us. We thank you for helping us to receive everything that you have for us. We see, Lord, that uh, some things from this, this story, all the wonderful points that we made, but I see that when you went into that house, they tried to tell you what to do, to sit down, eat, you know, 
you said, I'm not going to do anything until I tell you what I've come to say. And then you didn't want to stick around, but to do what you were sent to do. Lord, I see that when you come into our homes, into our hearts, into our lives, you're not there to take orders, you're there to take over. And so I say yes. We say yes, Lord. Just your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you taught us how to love by loving us so perfectly. In Jesus' name, amen.